You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately, and I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Welcome to OKSIS. We are two cultural observers and curious minds who happen to be related. I am Scout. And I'm Maddie. Get ready for some serious sororal energy as we chat about and comment on one another's current fixation of the week. OKSIS. Welcome to OK Sis. Welcome, everyone. If this is your first episode of OK Sis, I am Scout. I'm Mads. And we are the sisters behind OK Sis. OK Sis. And we're feeling extra Jewish tonight, today. It's Hanukkah. It's Hanukkah. Chag Sameach. Hanukkah came pretty early this year. Remember when it was... Remember when it was on Thanksgiving like a couple years ago and it was Thanksgivica? No, I don't remember that at all. Oh, it was like really weird. That no, is weird. I know, but I, I kind of like having Hanukkah in the beginning of December because then we can be festive and then it just bleeds into Christmas. Not that we celebrate Christmas, but like it bleeds into the whole spectacle. New Year's holiday exactly. time. Exactly, because when it overlaps and Hanukkah kind of gets like shoved under the rug, you know what I mean? I hear you. It's like secondary, but like when we're the only ones that are shining, pun intended, very cute. Dad got the <laughs> cutest little um, light up menorah things. Oh, God. He put them on like the he like framed the mirrors with them. They're so cute. Oh, I love Hanukkah. I know. We're going to eat some latkes. festival of lights. We're going to eat some latkes, some oily latkes, some sufgan yot. Get Ooh, all fattened up. I forgot about the sufgan yot. I am prepared. I'm not such a sufgan yot person. Well, we're not really donut people. We really are not donut people. You're so Especially right. Especially jelly donut people. But yeah, you know what? Not, the jelly is way too sweet. Way too sweet. But we'll eat one anyways. We're gonna we're gonna take one for the team and eat a sufgan yot tonight. It's tradition. It's tradition. We're basically religiously obligated to eat a sufgan yot. Exactly. Um, okay, great. So Let's do the word of the week. Okay. The word of the week this week is Schwitz. You've probably heard us say it like 25 million times on this episode. So we thought we might want it to bring it to light as break to what Schwitz means. It is the Yiddish word for sweating, basically. But, okay. 
I personally think schwitz is more like a light perspire. It's yeah. like when your whole body is just because you're in a hurry. It's not because like you're outside working out. Like I don't think schwitzing when you're wor- like the sweat that you get from working out is schwitzing. I think schwitzing is when you are in a hurry. You're running all over the place, running around town, trying to get these to place to place. And you're just like lightly perspiring. No, I think it encompasses all sweating. That's my take on it. Okay, well, I think. But we, we use it all the time because we schwitz on the rag. On the rag, but not right now because it's like very it's cold in LA. Very cold right now. Yeah. My feet and my hands are freezing. Well, you're wearing sandals, and that's. Well, I didn't realize it was so cold. I'm in a li- I'm in a literal slip dress for tonight's Hanukkah party. Yeah, I'm gonna be freezing. You're gonna be freezing. Maybe I'm, wearing, sh- I'm wearing like tights, boots, the whole deal. I should borrow something from mom, huh? Yeah, dude, you got to get a sweater on. I did not know it was this cold. Yeah. Anyways, but I'm so excited because then I get to be all bundled up, which I love. Yeah, and we're going to England soon, so that's going to even be better. I'm so excited. It's going to be fucking freezing, but I am ready. I got, um, I just ordered a, like, a puffer coat. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I love how we, like, don't even know. I don't even know what, what it's, it's called. called. Oh, we're From so. Uniqlo, because um, you took mine, and then it got stolen out of your car, and nobody replaced that for me. So there's yeah. that. We're going to move right past that. Yeah. So anyways, um, so this episode, we talked to our cousin. So it's a Jenna. super special episode. Super special episode. Uh, we talked about, she's a modern Orthodox She's not woman. modern Orthodox. We Sorry. talked about that. She's a, No, she's a hybrid. She said she's has, she takes different... But I think she okay. would identify more as just Orthodox okay, Jewish. Sorry. She's an Orthodox Jew in L.A. here. She's married to our cousin, Justin. who She used to be secular. She used to be secular. So we go through her whole, you know, journey to Judaism. And it's so fascinating, you guys. Um, I think any person listening, whether you're Jewish, whether you're non-Jewish, whether you're not religious, whether you are religious in another um, sector or anything, I think you will find this episode. You'll find super a lot of value. Useful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, edu- educative. Edu- 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 is that a word? Edu- educational. Educational. I think that's the word. Educative is a word. Oh, OK. Well, it's the it's the spicier way of saying educational. educational. <laughs> so, yeah, this episode is super amazing because she came from a really secular, non-religious background and she found herself on a path towards Judaism. And now her and her husband are both um, very um, practicing Orthodox Jews. And we kind of talk about some of the misconceptions of Orthodox mm-hmm. Jews. We talk about what it means to be a woman in the Orthodox world. Yes. Um, we really go into a lot of really great detail and I mean, we love her. She's our cousin. She's, she's unbelievable. The sweetest ever. She's, and she's a new mom and she is a new mom. Oh, I Rachel. Know, the mama. I think she's our, she our first mom. Mm-hmm. Oh no, no. Shawnee is a mom. Oh yeah. Shawnee's a mom. Um, but no, we've got, we've got some moms. No, she gives you some tips, um, about if you're looking to, you know, she has her own blog. So, um, about being Which is super informative. a modern Jewish girl. Her her blog is super informative. I get her newsletter. It's really good. Oh, my God. The news. The newsletter. I love her newsletters. Gotta get the newsletter. Okay. So, shall we enjoy this episode? Shalom. Shab- no, I was going to say Shabbat Shalom. I meant Chag Sameach. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. Happy Hanukkah, everyone. I hope you get a present and light your candles. And, and eat, eat some latkes. And some, eat some latkes. Spin the dreidel. Spin the dreidel. Eat some gelt. What other things are there? I think that's about you that's covered it. it. You covered it. Oh my god, guys! I love Hanukkah. Me too. You're gonna really enjoy this episode. Okay, enjoy. Bye. Okay. 
Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA grown, eco conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute, I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie. Like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once, the white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. You can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. 
Meet Jenna Mayo, the modern Jewish girl. Jenna grew up in a reform home on Long Island, New York, and studied English, creative writing, and environmental studies at Emory University. She spent the summer after college in Israel, where she continued exploring and learning about her relationship to Judaism. It was then that she started to observe Shabbat. In the fall, she began law school at the University of Pennsylvania, and in between law classes, she continued to absorb as much Jewish wisdom as she could and grew in her observance. After law school, she went back to Israel to deepen her learning before jumping into the work world. In the holy city of Jerusalem, she was fortunate to meet her husband, our cousin. They now live in Los Angeles, where she is a proud wife and mom and works as a freelance writer and speaker. Through her, new, through her new blog, Modern Jewish Girl, she hopes readers will learn something new, whether it is a piece of wisdom, a lifestyle tip, or a greater understanding of observant Judaism. So without further ado, Jenna! Yay! Jenna! Okay, so disclaimer, Jenna's our cousin. Yay! She's I'm very lucky. She yeah. married our first cousin, so she's a new, newly, newly male. What are, what are we actually... Second cousins? No, we're cousins. First cousins we're first through cousins. marriage. Yeah. First cousins. Is that once removed? No. We're oh, just straight like up straight first up cousins. first cousins. I'm very blessed. Look I married at you. Into, joining the Mayo fam. Yeah. It's a good God. fam to be in. It's a great fam. Oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> I'm sometimes. a big fan. It can get a little Whoa! Nuts. It can get a little nuts. Shade. Sorry, uh, I'm just <laughs> saying. It can get a, the Mayos can get a little crazy at times. Oh, my God. We are so excited to have you here. This is going to be a really informative and exciting talk i think we all we both have so many questions and i don't think we've ever sat down and no. really discussed everything with you so yeah. and i think the secular world is going to take a lot of interest in this because it's something that's not like openly talked about across the totally, board yeah. you know absolutely what I mean? absolutely so first as we always do let's do a round of current fixations scoutala yeah scoutala oh my god that that's kind of so cute. cute i put i put the little like yiddish flair on it oh my god I scoutala love it. Yes, Scoutala. That's fitting. my new thing. Um, okay, so oh. my current fixation is super lame this week, but I'm so obsessed with the voice. It's next oh, level. Um, I literally, I like let it kind of, so I didn't watch it right when it came out on Hulu. I let like a bunch of episodes accumulate so I could binge. Who's like, the, who are the um, the judges? Judges right now. Uh, Adam Levine, Kelly Clarkson, Jennifer Hudson, and Blake Shelton. Okay, and I okay. am now such a fan of Kelly Clarkson. Like she's unbelievable. Yeah, she's sick. she's, so she's amazing. She is she's amazing. So cute, and she's so encouraging. Yeah. She really cares about the people on her team. I like cry when people leave. <laughs> um, she also has such an empowering. Um, uh, image of uh, or of body image like body positivity she does yeah. she really does she has been like such an advocate for it and i love that about her and she's just so down to earth and mm-hmm. rad so i think she really carries the show for me um but yeah that is what i am currently obsessed with Ooh. and there's this girl the girl that won you would really like her bads the girl that won two seasons ago chloe mm-hmm. kohansky i think her name is mm-hmm. you would really dig her music i'm gonna send it your way but i, f- I feel like i don't know anyone that has come out of the voice I mean, no, but who cares? <laughs> Jenna is laughing at me. <laughs> yeah, I'm just laughing because I I have a friend from childhood. Her like biggest dream is to, like make it onto The Voice. You know? Really? Yeah, like she wants to well, be she on American do Idol it. or The Voice. Oh, no, okay. she's been auditioning. She has auditioned. No, yeah. American Idol's bigger because I also watched is American it? Idol, and it's the people big? the people that were on American Idol have like 300,000 followers, where the winner of The Voice two seasons ago only has like 100. Mm. So American, American Idol. Stranger brings out bigger stars but like, than the I voice. literally I cannot tell you one winner from the voice ever. 
okay, well, I'm sorry like, about that. Like, it's still a really good but, show. Wait, it's a good show, but it's like it's not hitting me because I don't even know it about it. Yeah, I'm going to show you Chloe's stuff okay. and you're going to love okay, it. Okay, great, great, great. Okay, what's your current fixation? Um, okay, so my current fixation is my Restoration Hardware robe. I just brought it out of the woodworks. It's like tucked away in my closet because it was always too hot to wear it. And again, uh, disclaimer, I'm a very schwitzy person, as everyone knows. But Drinking game. Every time Maddie says schwitzy, you drink. Oh, Go. yeah. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, that is that is a good one. Um, but <laughs> but I brought it out and it's just like so fluffy and snuggly and I get out of the shower in the morning and I wear it while I meditate and then while I make food before I put on my regular clothes and it just makes me feel like I'm in a spa every morning. What color is it? White. Ooh, and what's the inside? <laughs> is it like fluffy? It's the fluffiest of fluffs. Oh my gosh. Okay, will you send me the link? I want to buy one. Me too. Yes, Restoration <laughs> Hardware. It's the best. It literally feels like you're in a hug. It's like, ooh, like a little cocoon. Oh, that's so cute. I Sounds love amazing. it. Sounds amazing. Yeah, it's great. Oh okay, Jenna. Okay. My fixation is the marvelous mrs mazel which is oh my god of course it is yeah. so, uh, so typical <laughs> so jewish so jewish um coming out season two very soon i think next week mm-hmm. which i'm very excited about and um yeah i just i really love the show for those that don't know what's it about so it's about this woman mrs mazel and the season one starts off where her husband basically is cheating on her and they break up and she's kind of like her whole world turns upside down she gets really drunk this all happens in the first episode Mm -hmm. and she goes to a nightclub and her husband her current husband had been trying to make it as a stand-up comedian he's not that great and so she goes to this this nightclub where he often performs like super drunk gets up on stage and just kills it and like is hysterical everyone's dying and like from there tries to start building up this kind of comedian um career as a stand-up comedian but no one really knows about it her parents are like you know yeah super straight people it just it's just an amazing show okay so i watched the first couple episodes but and i don't know i didn't i couldn't get fully into it but people rave about it i mean some people are obsessed with it it won every single emmy it won (laughs) it just won the emmys yeah i've heard really good things about it it's really good yeah i mean she yeah she's she's been winning things but also the writers and the creator it's the it's the creator and writer of gilmore girls exactly oh okay she's she's and she's really like kind of funky but but cool and uh yeah the jewish aspect is super prominent it's awesome it's like the manhattan upper west side jewish community yeah what year is it it's like the 40s or 50s yeah yeah it's really it's yeah the the costumes are amazing Mm -hmm. like the set all of that um i don't know my parents didn't love it it could be a generational thing but i I, as a woman who's creative i really identified with it is it it on netflix no amazon right amazon is it amazon prime it's amazon i believe so well yes Yes. It's Amazon. Okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll add it to my roster. All right. Okay, let's talk about Judaism. <laughs> okay, so first, let's just start with, like, what was the first moment? Because as we said in the in the bio, you grew up, not secular, but you grew up reformed. Right. Um, what was, like, that first? I would first say secular. Okay, pretty secular. secular. Okay. Pretty secular. I identified yeah. as a Jew, but the religious stuff was pretty superficial and not so prominent okay so what was the first moment that sparked that deeper connection to Judaism for you so it actually was not it was not planned it was guided I would say basically I was trying to get on birthright like most secular Jews in America I was in college my friends who had applied got on it and I did not get on this trip and it made zero sense because who doesn't get on birthright 
I mean, even yeah, if you have crazy. one. Even my friend who like dad's dad's dad was Jewish <laughs> and that she like was Catholic her whole life. Right. Got on. Exactly. It made no sense. <laughs> right. And both my parents are Jewish. So I was I was like, OK. So around this time, I actually had a friend who had gone on this other trip. It was a similar idea, but it was run by a more religious organization, kind of like Chabad. Mm. It's called Mayor. And they're on college campuses and they do Jewish outreach and education. And they were running this three week trip. So it wasn't 10 days. It was three weeks mm. more religious. And it wasn't completely free, but it was extremely subsidized. So I really wanted to go. I was just kind of like curious. I wanted to go go abroad. You know, had just, you ever been to Israel? At that I'd point? never been to Israel. And so I was 19 at this time. I just finished my sophomore year. So she said, I'll introduce you to the rabbi who runs the trip. So she introduces me to the rabbi. And the first question he asks me are, are you committed to marrying Jewish? And I immediately said, no. And we got into this whole fight about it. And I was like, oh gosh, this is not going well. And then he's like, okay, you can come on the trip. That was literally it. Normally to go on these trips, you have to do this like 10 week learning program. But because it was so late in the semester, he just let me jump on. So I really had little clue as to what I was in for. The next thing I know, I'm in Jerusalem. In a ver- they take us to a very religious area every morning to learn, mm-hmm. to learn Torah. So the girls were taken to a seminary, and which I thought was sounded like a convent. Like I didn't even know what a seminary was. And sitting in that classroom that morning, the first day, was my first exposure to Torah learning, what I consider like true Torah learning. I'd never really been exposed to before, and that hooked me immediately. Can you um, explain what Torah is for those that don't know? Yeah, so Torah, it's basically we have the five books of Moses, the Old Testament. That's considered like the written Torah. Um, and then we have the oral law, like which Moses also passed down to the rabbis of the generation. And kind of all the Talmud and the Gemara, which all kind of expounds on the initial written and oral law. So it's it's a lot of different stuff combined. Um, I just want to point out quickly, we say it was given to Moses, but we do believe, and we're the only religion who believes, that God spoke to more than one person at, at one time. There was a mass revelation at Mount Sinai, mm. but the Jewish people like couldn't deal. It was like way too much for them to be exposed to God in that way. So they said to Moses, like, you go and get the rest. But we're the only religion who believes in a mass um, revelation. So I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. So what's what teaching or what was it about? Because Scout and I um, went to a Jewish private school all our lives right. growing up. So like we studied all of not, I mean, not as in depth as you have now, but we grew up with those teachings and with the Torah and with all those studies. But I don't think we got the. Uh, we the did not get the bug. We're not. <laughs> we like, did not drink the Kool Aid. We did not. Get <laughs> no, the we we drank so, it to a certain extent, of course. But what I'm saying is, like, what specifically? Because, like, I never connected that much with like those types of classes. So, what was right. it? A sp- specific teaching or a specific story that really resonated with you? Yeah, I think the way they teach Torah in schools is very different to the way they teach it in a place like Neve, where I went, the seminary. It's specifically for people who did not really grow up with a with a Jewish background, mm-hmm. and they they are showing you how the wisdom of the Torah is relevant to your life. So, for instance, we had a class on relationships and on marriage and what mm-hmm. you should be looking for in a spouse and how your values are more important than your hobbies. Just like kind of like common sense wisdom that I already almost felt like I knew, but mm-hmm. like... I was just blown away by like the relevance and depth of things I was learning. Another, another example, the Hebrew alphabet and how every letter has a number assigned to it and different words make up different roots, root words. And the way they're all connected to each other reveals like deep meanings about things in life. Mm. And for example, the word ahava love Mm. is related to the word to give. Um, 
so ha- we learn that when you, when you're in a real relationship of love, it means you have to give unconditionally. That is what creates the love, and the person who's giving more actually loves the other more so like that's Mm -hmm. why our parents love us more than we could ever love them because they've given us so much sorry it's a bit of a tangent but just things like that to just give you a taste also classes on the divinity how do we know the Torah is divine what what does it mean to believe in God just things that I've never really had a chance to explore in like an adult environment like Mm -hmm. I went to Hebrew school but I was eight years old you know what I mean it was just so and it was reform it was just so different um and unfortunately I think most Jews who grew up the way I did that's where their Jewish education stops and they kind of have this yeah. misconception that that's what Judaism is and it's it's really tragic actually yeah so I was agree. there ever like a point that you kind of declared yourself orthodox like was it there did you have a day where you were like whoa I'm on this track I'm doing this and you fully committed to it yeah I think so I, I it was a bumpy road once mm-hmm. I had that initial exposure I came back to campus I started lighting candles I started going to Shabbat dinner um it took two years till I graduated and I, I went back on my own to learn at Neve. And once I kind of made that decision on my own, I'm going back that summer. I was like, okay, I'm committed to this. I'm, I'm going to do it. And mm-hmm. I started keeping Shabbat immediately when I got there and I started basically doing everything I could, you know, kosher and wearing skirts because it was easy there. That's what everyone does. And the real challenge came when I came home and I had to kind of declare to everyone at home mm-hmm. I'm ortho- I identify as an Orthodox Jew. This is what I'm doing now. It was very hard. What did your parents say? What were their reactions at first? <laughs> Not good. Not good. My mom told me to go back to the shtetl. She, <laughs> she said she gave birth to her grandmother who came oh from the God. shtetl. She was like, I feel like I gave birth to my grandmother. She she oh, made jokes, but she was deep. She was very upset at first. They yeah. felt very alienated. They did not grow up with any sort of religious background, and they just didn't understand. Yeah. How long did it take them to come around? It took years, and and it because at first they were kind of hoping it was going to be a passing phase, which I don't blame them. But then yeah. when they saw like this is really who she is, and this is really what she's doing, they you know they began to accept it. And thank God we have a really good relationship. Yeah, I but, um I mean. Not to make this about our cousin Justin, but your husband. Um, I remember when he declared himself as as an Orthodox Jew. We all thought it was a phase. I'm sure. Because I had grown up with him in doing so many different phases and trying to find himself. And then... Now right he it was like the next a, thing yeah and then i was right. like okay like you're gonna in another week we'll have another <laughs> <laughs> buddha whatever he was like so, all over the place and our, i mean our family is super accepting also right. our grandma is very religious so she was stoked that he <laughs> it was like the yeah. only grandchild that like saw the light <laughs> so you know um i think i i think i relate to what your parents felt a little bit like us we grew up with this like crazy cousin and like he he exposed us to so many things and like i was so excited for him that he found this but it also well our relationship had to change yeah exactly like i can't hug him which was really really difficult and still is super difficult for me and i just sometimes and sometimes when i saw his mom our auntie laura having to you know make separate whole meals or like or like she didn't do one thing right so then he can't eat it like i yeah. just thought those little things were an inconvenience to the ones right the people around him right more so than it was like an enhancement to his i hear his, his direct family and community so right. like i i kind of understand what your parents had 100 you know, because there there probably was a lot of sacrifice 100 yeah. there's a lot of sacrifice i think 
Well, it's interesting. Two points. First, Jess and I were similar in the sense that we both kind of explored different things before coming to to orthodox judaism like we both independently we didn't know each other but we were studying buddhism and meditation and we were both into that because we were both spiritual seekers so Mm -hmm. that was the quality we both shared and that's kind of how we ended up where we did and because that was our quality when we when we were exposed to torah in this environment in israel we independently made this commitment okay this is gonna have this how i'm gonna live my life but it's very challenging when you come Mm -hmm. back home and your your family doesn't keep kosher and then you you know you want to have a meal with them and you don't want to inconvenience them it's yeah. it's hard because you are you've committed yourself to to keep the jewish law the halakha but at the same time you don't want to inconvenience your family and friends so it can totally. get really tricky yeah yeah totally. okay, i want to talk a little bit about how we met justin your yeah. husband our cousin yeah, i feel like such i don't a great know this story. story and then it's i'm going to so tell cool. my story of how i met you yay yeah. okay so basically i okay so i had gone to Nevada that summer after i graduated college i committed myself to you know, keeping Jewish law, being Orthodox. And when I came back to the States, I started law school. So I went to law school for three years. Um, I went to Israel, you know, a little bit in between while I was in law school. But when I finished law school, I was dying to get back. So I actually went back for the year after I graduated law school. And during that year, I got an email from a man named Rabbi Stein, who actually, he works for Mayor. So I had met him on my first trip when I was 19. I remember I was sitting with him in the hotel lobby and he would make meetings with students to kind of help them process because the information is so life-changing and it can be overwhelming (laughs) for people who take it seriously. So I remember meeting him. I was wearing my shorts and my tank top. I'm 19 years old in the lobby. Rabbi Stein, you know, he was from New York and I found him very relatable. So we kept in touch. And over the years, I kept him updated on my progress Jewishly, you know, personally. And um, he also works at Machon Shlomo, which is the yeshiva Justin ended up going to. So it's a yeshiva for guys who, again, didn't grow up with much religious background. And out of the blue, he sent me an email. You know, he knew I was dating and he said, I have an idea for you. Can you send me your resume? You have like dating resume in this world. I know it's it's like a professional resume, but for dating, it's nuts. Wait, I know. What's on your dating resume? It's like your family, where you're from, okay. what you're looking for about you, things like that. Okay. So it's so crazy. It's so like setting up an, it's like setting up a profile exactly. and not yeah, a dating app. Exactly. It's the same thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just probably more in depth and much more helpful. <laughs> And not to like surface level and you're just swiping on people's faces. Right. Exactly. So, so basically Rabbi Stein introduced us and then that's how we met. Wow. That's a long story short. Talk about how, what the process was between meeting to getting married. And was it like super, like, were you open? Because I don't know. It seemed like you guys only, you guys were like super religious for just like a year. (laughs) And then it just, and then you guys just like got married in like two months. So like, were you a little skeptical with that process or were, because you were so immersed in that life, you're like, this is what I do talk about that process for those that don't know. Okay. So Justin and I have a little bit of a different background because I started this process when I was 19. You have to remember. And I met Justin when I was almost I think I was 25. So it had been like six years already for me of like, like learning and thinking and am I going to be religious? Am I not? And so I was like very integrated. I would Mm. say at this point, I was totally identified as Orthodox had been doing it. I was keeping Shabbat at this point for at least three years, keeping kosher. Like, so for me, it wasn't such like, I knew this is how I wanted to date. And I was very, I had waited to start dating. I like really felt ready. Mm. I wanted to get married. Justin, on the other hand, he, his, transformation quote-unquote was quicker Mm -hmm. he when he arrived at yeshiva he 
I mean, I think, you know, he, I don't know if he was even wearing a kippah. I don't know if he was fully, I think he was, I don't think he fully kept kosher. I don't even think he kept Shabbat. No. Two years later, when we met toward the end of his second year of yeshiva, he's wearing a kippah, keeping Shabbat, keeping kosher. So I think his transformation was much more intensive. It happened in Israel, I, almost in a bubble, I would mm-hmm. say, whereas mine was more in America. I would take little trips to Israel here and there, but I was doing it more on my own while I was in law school and I had, okay. you know, a community of support. So it was a little different. I, I had dated a couple guys before I dated him. And you should know if you if you're not familiar in the religious dating world, it's really dating for marriage. So you don't date and date and date. You go on, a you know, a couple of dates. You, you know, pretty quickly you're, you're only allowed to talk. You can't touch. So you get right. it's like you're pretty sober. Even if you have a few drinks, it's like all you're doing is talking. You really can think yeah. clearly. And, um, yeah, so I had only been set up with a couple people and it didn't last, you know, the most I went on with someone was like five dates, you know, <laughs> you don't get too entangled. And, um, if it doesn't work out, that's it. You never speak to the person again. It's very, it's wow. pretty intense. And you go usually through a matchmaker, someone who in, either introduce the idea or they're going to be the go between at least for the first couple dates. So you have someone to kind of say, this is what I was thinking. This is what I'm thinking about, you know, and then they can kind of report to the other person. So it, it's actually really nice to have that in the beginning. And then as the relationship matures, you, you kind of just, you know, speak to each other. That person kind of steps back. But, um, so yeah, so Justin and I, I was the first person Justin dated religiously. Yeah. So I think for him, it was probably much more scary. And like, I knew right away when I met him, like, this is my person. I didn't want to scare him, but like, I really knew right away. I know. I I remember after the second date, I said to somebody like, this is my husband, but like, I can't tell him yet. Yeah. (laughs) Wait. And so what did he, how did he, or did he feel that way or what? I don't think he felt that at first. I think he liked me obviously, but he was more just, you know, he wanted to be more careful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah, he had nothing to really compare me to in that context. And, um, I think it took him a little longer, probably date um, seven or eight till he came around. Which <laughs> wait, so seven or eight, and then what? He proposes? No, no. Oh. But by date seven, we kind of were at the point where we said, "Okay, we're talking about us now. Like, there's a future." Oh, and like, it was like we God. both knew seven by date dates. seven we were going to get married, which is kind of insane. That's and Adam told me he wanted to marry me on our second date. There you go. Okay, but but you dated for years. <laughs> yeah, but we got married. I know, but... Wait, can I tell a story of how I met you? Yes, of course. Okay, so Justin messaged me, because Justin and I were really close before he left for Israel. Um, he was like a like a huge rock in my life. He helped me so much through a really hard time. Um, and he messages me on Facebook, and he says he has a friend, and so I know what that means. It means he's dating a girl. And I was like... And, and he kind of told me that he was going to propose and stuff, and I was like, wow okay, wait, I've never met her. I've never seen her. I don't know her name. I don't know what she looks like. And I, and like, that I was held, so protective. I held Justin, I, I hold Justin like way up high. I'm like the Thank woman you. that I've always known, the woman that Justin marries has to be the most special human being wow. on this planet. Oh my gosh. He yeah. deserves literally nothing less. Oh my in gosh. In my opinion. I'm going yeah, like, to I'm gonna cry. Crying. So, come on, reel it in. Reel it in. He agrees to let me FaceTime with you guys. And we FaceTime and your both of your faces show up on the screen. And I swear to God, I got like the chills all oh over my, my gosh. body. And I had this huge sigh of relief oh before my gosh. you even said a word. And oh I my was gosh. like, done. Stop. Done. Oh, my gosh. I'm getting so emotional because you just kind of felt like this is right. Like you just yeah. got a sense right away. Yeah. Like wow. I have chills now. Just wow. thinking about I mean, it. you guys have such similar backgrounds. Yeah. And I think you you related to each other. And I, I can't even imagine him with someone who 
grew up no. religious. Yeah. Like it just it really worked with you, Thank and God. you guys yeah. were on this like journey together yes. and this growth together, yeah. which now I think you was have special. Yeah, you know, the beauty, little Rachel Nehama. She is. Oh, Precious. okay. Thank God. I okay. Oh, you want to go? Can yeah. I go? Oh, okay. Okay, I want to do a pivot because this is a really, <laughs> it's a really good question that I think like super needs to be asked. Okay. Some say that the Orthodox Jewish ideology is non-feminist. Right. Do you find that to be true, or what are your thoughts about that perspective? Okay, so I bi- basically it was hard for me because I was on this track of super career oriented. You know, I went to Penn Law School. I very much valued having a career, and I still value having a career. Something that I think needs to be said, Orthodox women are encouraged to work. They're not discouraged to work. The number one priority is, of course, the family and the home and raising the children, 100%. But you can work and still have your family be your priority. Now, again, I'm not, I think we have to be real here. And I think one of the reasons why feminism doesn't work is because you can't have it all. You can't have this super successful career and then also be like the best mother to your children who's always attentive and mm-hmm. always there. It's just yeah. impossible. There's only so many hours in the day. So That's what our stepdad says. It's, I really yeah, no, think I it's mean, true. Well, yeah. There, I mean, there's definitely trade-offs and there's priorities. Right. And a woman that does that is a stay at home mom and right. is attentive to the to the fam- to the family is sh- can also be a feminist that's right. not of course. i think more so what we're asking is there are a lot it, i it feels like in the jewish tradition men are more first class kind more of thing. More first class. Like the whole women have to sit separate. The whole right. women have to sit like in a, like I've been to shuls where they sit on like a terrace. And I'm like, <laughs> God. Oh, sorry. They're uh, like in a, <laughs> head to the back. Wow. I just, I really caught myself there. Okay. That's good. Um, <laughs> no, but I just, you know, as a really staunch feminist, I, I look to the Jewish tradition and I just don't feel welcome. And I just it feels like all the cool stuff happens on the men's <laughs> side. Like, I just, we don't see anything. And all the women are like, can we look? Like, <laughs> can we be included? And it just, that's right, the aura I, hear you. I feel. But I hear that. You know, like, w- what do, what, what do the men do in Judaism, in in Orthodox tradition, that help to include the women? Well, typically, right. real quick, I, I learned when I was going to the marriage counselor that actually women, in the eyes of God, women are way up here right. and men are way down here. So right. the reason that it men ha- feel that way, the reason men have to do everything, the reason they have to go to shul and they have to do all the prayers and they have to wear the because they're like sinned. <laughs> no, is because they need to catch up to the women. Right, right. We definitely believe that women are more inherently perfect and spiritual, Ooh. which is kind of crazy, Snaps. and that's why we. We have less, right, we have less need to kind of go out and pray with a group. We can pray on our own at home. But I think a big thing here is the difference in perspective. I actually wrote about an article about this on my site once. Like, in the, in the secular world, the focus on what's important and what matters is always external. Okay. It's mm-hmm. always like, what are you producing? What are you, what, how are you productive? What show me what, you know, it's yeah. never like an internal thing, you know? So the role of the woman, woman in Judaism is much more internal. Mm-hmm. It's in the home, her relationship with God's very, everything's very private. You know, she's going to the mikvah, she's making call at home. She's lighting her candles. Whereas the role of the men is to be much more external. It's to be yeah. out in shul. And if you think about the reproductive organs, mm-hmm. that's how men and women really were created. The men are more external. Mm-hmm. The women are more internal. It's just our roles. And it's not better or worse. Um, again, this was a hard thing for me to get used to because I also right. felt that a little bit at shul. Like you're kind of like there as an observer, but 
you can, you have a connection to God. You can pray there. The divider's there because the point is to be focusing on prayer. It's not to be like yeah. sitting next to your husband and chatting with him. Like that, the point is to not be distracted. The point is to pray to God. That's the reason for the divider. But um, yeah, so I think that's like a big a big misconception is that the men are considered more important because their role is more external. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah. Also, I'm just coming to this realization. Like Judaism was the OG self care. <laughs> like. <laughs> You guys, it is true. It is true. You know, we look at religion and various types of religion, and we're just like, eh, or like I do because I'm just I don't feel that. But it's like, literally everything you do is reverting back to this, this just self growth and this self improvement, right? And this mindfulness, right? And like the, ter- I mean, I love the idea of Shabbat, obviously, and the just right. time to self reflect. And yes, to, it's like, why is no one talking about how that? is it's self-care. all self-care it's all this it's just improving upon yourself right. really totally like what it is right you're trying to connect to something higher right 100 yeah. percent. i will say that it has to be a conscious effort like yeah it's built into the system but you have to you have to be proactive because you can just go through the, the motions rote and, mm-hmm. and if you do it for a number of years that's what ends up happening is there's like you just you, you just okay another shabbat another week you have to really tap in and you mm-hmm. have to try you know that's why I, learn, I think learning so important and praying so important and having a their systems i mean i'm i'm in a group of married women who the sole where the sole purpose is to work on ourselves through our yeah. marriage work on our character development it's a huge part of being a jew is is i mean working on yourself and that's why we're here you know yeah. so that's totally built in at the same time i would say that you know there are challenges in this lifestyle like any lifestyle you know it's just a different set of challenges mm-hmm. so you just have to know kind of how to to really take care of yourself like if right. every week i have to cook a lot of food for shabbat you know, maybe some weeks I'm up for having guests, some week up, some weeks I'm not. I'm just giving you like a glimpse into right. my lifestyle and, and where self-care could come into play. But I think that's a really good insight. Yeah, for sure. Totally. Um, can you can you give us um, what what is the difference between mo- modern Orthodox and just like normal Orthodox? Or is there a difference? <laughs> yes. like people- what do you do identify as? It's a really good question. It's yeah. kind of complex. So basically modern Orthodoxy and I would say like mainstream Orthodox or more yeshivish more people who are more to the right quote-unquote or the main difference is two things how they view the secular world their relationship with the secular outside world and their commitment to jewish law okay Mm -hmm. so people who are more modern orthodox typically they're they really value secular education and general studies in addition to torah learning they really value being out in the secular workplace contributing to the world they're just more out there quote-unquote they're they're probably more inclined to go see a movie or read a a secular book people as you move more toward mainstream orthodox yeshivish hasidic more toward the right it gets more insular and typically the view toward the secular world is a little bit more guarded um not as embracing so that's one difference. And then second is the commitment to Jewish law. Someone might identify as modern Orthodox. So you think Orthodox, you know, you can think of a ton of different mitzvot they could be keeping. But the main baseline at this point, I think, for Orthodox, where we're at now, is someone who keeps Shabbat and kosher. And if they're married, they keep family purity laws, like the laws of the mikvah. Um, whereas the more there's 613, I mean, not all of them we can do today because we don't have a temple, but there's a lot of mitzvot. So if you're just keeping Shabbat and kosher, your commitment to Jewish law isn't that great. I mean, those are amazing things to keep and it's really central to your life, but you could be, you know, making challah, you could be praying every day. You, there's, you know, there's just a lot more. You could be wearing skirts, you could be covering your hair. There are people who identify as modern Orthodox don't necessarily do all of that. Mm. 
So okay. that's something. So what do you identify with? So I identify as more just mainstream Orthodox. Um, I don't, I don't call myself a modern Orthodox person because of what I just said. I am fully committed to keeping Jewish law as best as I can. Mm -hmm. Um, Because of how I grew up, it's a little bit unique. Like I, I grew up in the secular world. You know, I went to college, I went to law school. I, you know, I'm, I read the news. I, you know, Mm -hmm. I'll occasionally watch certain TV shows. You know, I try to monitor, I try to really be careful and censor what I, what I expose myself to, but I do watch some things. I do read some things. You know, I don't totally cut myself off at all. Uh, my family's secular like uh, so I'm I'm very much in the world um and I and I believe that it's good to be in the world and contribute in a kosher way and take from the world in a kosher way um so I'm kind of like some I'm modern to a certain extent because of how I grew up but I'm very committed to Jewish law if that makes sense yeah I think what I struggle with is that second part or sorry the the relationship that traditional orthodoxy has with the secular world it feels as if they don't acknowledge Scout and I as Jews because mm. we're really not observing any of those right. of those mitzvot and right. um, that just makes me feel a little excluded or a little just like removed from Judaism and totally. it's, that's why I like the Chabad name. I was just gonna say like yeah. that's why what Chabad is doing is so important because right there are people who are gonna be like that yeah it's not I don't think it's correct I think we're we're taught to like love our fellow Jews as ourselves. It doesn't say love only the Jews who keep Shabbat. It says all Jews. So I think it's very important, something our generation really needs to work on. And I think as someone who grew up, I grew up in the five towns. So in the five towns, there's a huge secular Jewish community and a huge religious Jewish community. Mm -hmm. And they kind of like live, they coincide. They don't like really mix so much. It's starting to break down a little bit, but there's really like, I find there's judgment and fear on both sides of how the other side's perceiving Mm -hmm. them. And, and it's starting it is starting to break down a little bit but i agree that you shouldn't have you shouldn't feel that way you yeah, know yeah because at the end of the day you're a jew so yeah that's it is there something that you miss from is it burritos do you miss burritos? <laughs> like what is the one out? thing what is the one thing you miss about being a secular joe Oh, that's really that's a hard one. <laughs> it's definitely food. It that's has to be so something. funny. Truthfully, it's not really food because I find the kosher food, especially in LA, is so totally. good. Like yeah, I'm not, I don't feel deprived. I really yeah, don't. Good. Yeah. Um, I would say kind of like the, f- it's just the freedom mm-hmm. to kind of like do whatever you want whenever you want. Yeah. Um, yeah. is something I miss in some like one form or another. Like you know, like you can travel. You're just more free in terms of travel and and the sure. weekends like the whole dynamic of the weekend changes because of Shabbat. But again, I would never change it for anything. And mm-hmm. I think the benefits of Shabbat so outweigh like the restricted freedom, quote unquote. Yeah. But something I've really learned is like true freedom has to have limitations and it has to have like constriction. Otherwise it, it's not true freedom. Like mm-hmm. I realize true freedom is not doing whatever you want. Cause you'll never like, you can't accomplish. Like if you want to learn an instrument, you, there are chords, there's a system, like mm-hmm. everything kind of has some sort of limits. So that's kind of how I view what I'm doing. And I feel like the benefits of adhering to these like limits is really actually like liberating if that yeah. makes sense. But yeah. there are, I will. Yeah. There are yeah. definitely times <laughs> where I'm like, wow, I used to just get it, wake up on, on Saturday, Dude, you know, and just get in yeah. my car and yeah. And it's yeah. like, that's just not an option anymore. Yeah. No, but I think, yeah, as you said, I think there are so many more benefits that you are reaping. Totally. From, no, from without practice. a doubt. Yeah. yeah totally. God, yeah. But it's, you know, it's, it's challenging when you've seen both sides sometimes, of course, but no, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I can see, I've always like said that I could see myself getting a little bit more religious than, than I am. When I went through marriage counseling, we got married by an Orthodox rabbi. I was like 
really into the stuff we were talking about. Yeah, it's it amazing. felt like really inspiring and uplifting and community oriented. You're a spiritual seeker too. I'm a, yeah, For I, sure. I consider myself a spiritual human being. I totally. pray all the time. Yeah. Prayer is a huge part of my life. I believe in God 100%. Um, I pray to God all the time. Um, so I can see myself, especially when I have a kid, probably ramping up on some of the totally. We just saw a video recently on intermarriage and it was saying like the, the hard part is, is like people grow up with like being exposed to religion. A lot of, you know, a lot of people like Jewish people and then they kind of go to college or whatever and their religious observance kind of tapers off. They're on their own, you know, they're, they're the young professionals and like, and then when they get married and start having kids, that's when they want to kind of ramp up the religious observance again. But the problem is they're getting married during that time when they're not really quote unquote, like observing or doing anything. So that's yeah. why a lot of people tend to intermarry because they don't realize until they have kids like, Oh wow, I actually would love to, you know, have a Shabbat dinner or something. Well, I mean, I want to raise my kids 150% <laughs> Jewish man. Married a Jew, did the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, what, okay, so, I mean, this might be a hard question, but what do you, s- what, I'm trying to think of a good way oh to say geez. this. Just, when you see Scout and I, what do you see in terms of Judaism? Like, I feel like my relationship to Judaism is a little, it's definitely cultural, and like, we can talk about the yes. quote unquote cultural Judaism. Right. I don't personally think it's, I think it's just it's become a culture. Of right. course, like we went right. to Jewish sleepaway camp. I, right. I we grew. I went to Jewish day school. I went uh, when I ever did theater. It was only at the Jewish community center. Wow. Like I was very very immersed. I didn't even when I went to high school. It's first time I went to public high school. First time I ever really knew Catholic kids, Republicans. Wow. I didn't know a non-Jew until I was nineteen. Republicans. No, literally. I no, didn't 18, know any Republicans. That was nuts. the first time I knew someone that oh was Jewish. Oh my gosh. And That's insane. It was a culture shock for sure. And I and so I'm not saying that I'm not Jewish because I right, grew of course. up in this in this like incubator of Judaism. Right. I just personally my relationship with it is more of a Tradition. It's a tradition. tradition it's family. Right. It's community. It's right. like that. I met. I. I see. Like I meet a Jew, and I just we connect. I understand <laughs> you. We understand that we have the same values. Right. We grew up the same. Right. That's my. That's the height. Right. Of my Judaism. Got it. Is that wrong? Like personally, I don't ever go to shul, even on the high holidays. Like it's a I burden to, to me. I know Scal. We. You can get a gold star. <laughs> like. It's just, it's just not something I've connected with. And, you know, even in college, I worked at Hillel. I was an intern. I love finding the Jewish communities. And that's really where I feel drawn to it. Mm. But I don't know if it goes past into the laws laws and the teachings and the studies or even the stories. Like, I don't know. I'm just not, I just do it more so for the community. I hear. Is that wrong? And why do you think the Jews have found that? Or why? I don't think that's that. I feel like it's special to us. Like I don't see Catholic or maybe Catholics, but Christians, they don't just like be like, Oh, you're like, we're, you know, it's not that same sense of unity. Unity. Yeah. No, I mean, it's very special to be a Jew. We, we really believe that on a spiritual level, there's a difference between being a Jew versus a non-Jew, not in like a, we're better or worse, just the Jews were charged with a specific mission and anyone who wants can be a Jew. We're not Mm -hmm. exclusive. We're not exclusive club. 
Um, so there's definitely this thing that we all feel and it's our neshama, it's our soul, a piece of our soul is connected to God. I think everyone has what we call the pintalayid, the light of the Jew within them. And I think that's why we all, even if you're not doing anything, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you connect as a Jew. And when you see mm-hmm. another Jew, that light, like kind of like flickers, you have for sure, like mm-hmm. you're tapped into that. Um, listen, I think everyone has different exposure. And I think at the end of the day, we're judged in life by where we start out. Mm -hmm. And for instance, I did not grow up religious, you know, so I can't be compared with someone who did. Mm -hmm. And you guys grew up with a certain background. But again, I don't really know what the Jewish learning was like in your school. You know, you could have been exposed to Judaism in a way that was really dry and not so relevant. And so that could be why you're not so interested in learning Torah. And, you know, so if you had gone on the trips I had gone on, if you'd been exposed to the speakers and teachers I was, I don't know if you would feel the way that you do. Mm -hmm. So I I don't look at you like with any sort of like negative judgment. I look at you like you're, you grew up a certain way and you're doing, you know, it's all based again on our experiences and what we're exposed to. But I do believe that as Jews, we have a responsibility to, to really look into the truth and, and figure out where we're holding in terms of what, what does it mean that I'm Jewish? What is that going to mean for me and my life? And I think every Jewish person needs to ask themselves that question. Yeah. Um, totally. Yeah. So but I also feel like you and I are super close. Yeah, for I've sure. Like literally never felt as if our difference in religious levels has played Affected, any, yeah. Right. yeah, like at all, no. because I feel so close to you and Justin, yeah, even, even though we have, we lead different lifestyles. Totally. I mean, yeah. cause we love you and, and we, it's not about that. You know what I mean? Like we're not like negatively judging you based on what you're doing. You know, we just love you as who you are as a human being and, and your family. So it's just, you know, Yay, right. family. Yay. Yay. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to switch it over. Ooh, to what? Confirm or deny. <laughs> oh, geez. I'm nervous. Truth, truth or truth. Not truth or truth. <laughs> falsehood or just like, truth or false. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out a, misconception and you say if it's true or false okay Okay. you have sex with a hole in the sheet she knew you were gonna ask (laughs) she came up to you she's like is maddie gonna ask me if there's a hole in the sheet i mean it's it's the best question i don't know such a myth false false okay why how did that come about i have no idea that is crazy it's a total myth next um you have i guess these are all about sex you have sex after you get married in that little room when you're together <laughs> for like seven minutes. False. False. Yeah. So I know. I, I actually thought that. But you know the that. rabbi walked in on our seven minutes? Oh. We could have. Were you guys we couldn't. No, we weren't. Oh. But we could have been. You never know. <laughs> Wait, but were you supposed to be? Like, is that? No. Oh. So but it's just the point is that because you're in like a new status now as a married couple, you need to like be alone in a room because mm. when you're dating, it's called yichud. You're not allowed to be alone in a clo- in like a room together. It's like a fence because you're not allowed to touch until you get married. Right. So you're not if you're alone in a room together, it's like how it's going to get really hard. How was the first time you touched Justin? It was right. Ex- was it was special. it at the altar? Um, yeah, the first time we touched you was you held hands. We held hands. Oh, my God. R- yeah. Right after we got I married. Yeah. I can imagine that 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 like must feel anticipation. Amazing. Yeah. yeah must have been amazing. For sure. It's yeah. so special. It really. Thank God. It really is. Yeah. Um, but yeah. That. So f- um, false. No, you, you're false. just kind of like together. Like you and you don't really have enough time. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, may- maybe you could, but and you right. Like you have to like run down. Yeah. Like, it's and you like not so makeup and like to start taking off that dress. I mean, it's. Ridiculous. No, yeah. It's you, not happening. You want that moment to be special. Yeah. You don't want it to be rushed in rushed seven in a minutes. seven minute thing. Oh my God, I'm dead. <laughs> I love it. Um, what other ones can I think of? 
I, I think did those not know you were going to oh, do this. I just, I thought she of it right now. did not consult with me at all. <laughs> well, you know, okay. this is what the listeners want. Got it, got <laughs> it. They are asking Noted. for this. We can talk about the mikvah if you want. Cause oh, it's kind yes. Of I know you wanted to ask about that. Yes. Just what is that? Okay, so, <laughs> it's, <laughs> so it's pretty amazing that this whole idea of family purity laws um, and going to the mikvah. So basically the way it works is when you have your period, you, you do not touch your husband and wife. You don't touch. You don't even sleep in the same bed during what? your period. Yeah. And you didn't then know this. And oh, then maybe the, I did. And then oh. the seven days after. So they're called the seven clean days. You have to count seven clean days with no blood. And then you immerse in a mikvah. And when you come home from the mikvah, you can touch again. Okay. That's like half of a month every month. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's correct. like two weeks. Right. But you have to remember when you get pregnant, like you don't have your period when you after you have a baby for oh, so when like, you're nursing. So there's times where like it's not like that every wait, single do you month. Take birth control? No, yes, you're allowed to take birth okay. control. You're allowed to take birth I control. I asked Justin okay. that, like right when you guys did. I was like, yeah. are you allowed to take birth control? Yes, you okay. are. Um, so what so. if the so what if the birth control like for instance I have that my I have an IUD and I'd like I never get my period right so then, so you then just, I would just like be able to touch my husband all the time exactly wow yeah I'm lucky so it doesn't always <laughs> work <laughs> it doesn't always work out like that but yeah going to the mix was so special because and it's kind of cool too because I feel like when you're with the same person for a long time things can get kind of stale or whatever yeah. when you remove the touch element and then reintroduce it reintroduce it it's very special absolutely and then going to the mikvah is just so I don't know if you I think Gabby, I you the went before your for wedding. My wedding. It yeah. was Wait, an incredible. What experience. is it? It's very and special. Do you just go by yourself, or mm-hmm. do you have, or what? It, you go what by is yourself. It? It's just a bath, right? Yeah. So it's it's it looks like a hot tub almost. It's yeah. a warm water, and you you have to get completely undressed. You can't have nail polish on. You can't have oh, makeup on. You wow. can't. I mean, it's you can't have jewelry on. You have to be completely like bare. Wow. And someone checks you even before you go in, like not thoroughly, <laughs> but <laughs> like not creepy. Yeah. But is it a woman? It's I a woman, so. of okay. course. Okay, I'm just no. There are no men in the mikvah. Oh, oh gosh, okay, okay, wait, wait, okay, no, it's okay. totally, yeah, no men, and okay. then, and then you privately, like, everyone has a changing room, and you kind of wait to be called, so you get ready, it takes, mm. there's, like, a whole preparation process, and then when, when you're, it's your time, you come out, you're the only one who immerses, no one else is there, so it's just you and the attendant, and then you dunk a few times, you say a bracha, and it's so special, because you can, you can pray, it's, like, such a special time to pray, and you, it sounds cheesy, but it almost feels like you have, like, a fresh start, like, yeah. it, it's, like, a physical concept it's like uh, being rebo- like renewed. Yeah, reborn. you okay, feel like you're renewed. Sure, it's I'm gonna so say something a little controversial though. Oh, no, no. Well, is there not an implication that you were impure for a certain set of days, right, and right. now you're like bringing back the purity? Like right. that kind of that kind of diminishes and and reduces your period, or is right. that not really the vibe? It's not really the vibe. Like when you're when you're actually living it out. Like it's not like you know every time Justin sees me when I'm on my period, he's like. Oh, he like, like shudders. <laughs> <laughs> you know, time out for you. Yeah. Whatever. Like, <laughs> no, there's no like. It's just uh, it's a reality of life, yeah. and it's just the fact that the blood itself coming from that place makes you ritually impure. It doesn't mean that you're like dirty or sure. bad. Or and I totally see how you would think that. Yeah. I also felt like that at first, but it's just it's just not. It's just considered the reality mm-hmm. and. Um, once you kind of go through this cycle of not touching, going to the mikvah, touching again, you, mm-hmm. it's actually like a very special thing. Again, not yeah. always like convenient, not always, it's not, I can do whatever I want whenever I want, but I find that it's, it's actually really amazing. Yeah. I can that's, see that it would special. totally spark, like keep the sparks going to kind yes. of like take it away and then bring it back and then take it away and then bring it back. I can see yes. how that can spice things up on a regular yeah, basis. but it's probably hard, especially if you have a period for seven days or a period yeah, for five I days. A period forever. Yeah. Oy. That yeah no that that could be challenging for yeah. sure okay for sure um i guess we're ending on periods 
love it. <laughs> As we usually do on this podcast. I know, seriously. <laughs> uh, but anyway, oh, wait, no. Actually, I do want to talk about Modern Jewish Girl. So talk oh, okay. to us a little bit about the okay. blog. Okay. Oh, yeah. How did that start? What can people expect? It's so good. And where can they Thank find you. it? I get the newsletter. So sweet. So I actually, so I will say, I started this website about two years ago, a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. It's called modernjewishgirl.com. The whole point is just to kind of give you a taste of the Torah that I was exposed to the kind of um, spiritual growth stuff, like what's Jewish perspective on, I don't know, Thanksgiving or, mm-hmm. you know, just interesting questions and insights and um, just give you an insight into what it means to, again, to live as someone who's committed to, to being an Orthodox Jew, but also identifies as in the world. And that's sure. the name modern Jewish girl. But I actually haven't been posting as much because I've been writing. I actually wrote a book about my whole journey, oh. which I'm, yeah. So I've been really focusing on that, but God willing, I will be producing more content on the website. So for sure you should check it out. Um, yeah. Oh my Very exciting. God, okay. We'll it. let everyone know where they can find you. Plug your Instagram website, the whole nine yards. Thank you so much guys. No, Yay. no, no. Tell us where we can find you. Oh, you're telling me to yeah. plug in? Yeah, you plug in, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what are you guys talking about? I thought you like, were going to no, plug you, in. You, you, have, your, you have an Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Modern Jewish Girl. At Modern okay. Jewish Girl. Okay, cool. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. Where can they find um, you? At Maddie Mayo. At Scout Sobel. And you can follow OKSIS Podcast at OKSIS Podcast for premium content. For premium content. Okay. okay bye, you sisters. Love you. Love you. Bye. Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you you change the dialogue in your life. Tune in every Thursday to I'm Not Your Shrink wherever you listen to podcasts. While I'm not your shrink, I am still human and I'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together.